Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. It's the love that we have for those that are sitting around us. It's the love that we have for those that we engage with. The, it, you know, it's not just this ooey-gooey, nebulous love we're talking about. The kind of love that truly will cause us to stand out is our affection and care towards others. So the question we really need to ask ourselves this morning is, is if we're walking in the love of God, then do we really love people? Do you really love the people around you? Do you really, are you really investing in the people around you? Or is your mindset uh, about life, ah, eh, I could take them or leave them? Because if your mindset is I could take them or leave them, I'd be better off sitting at home by myself. Listen to me. It's something you, re- we, then, then we need to grow in the love of God, right? And I'm not talking about just coming to church. I'm talking about, you know, that the kind of love that Jesus said that will cause us to stand out. It'll cause people to say, man, that person really loves people. <laughs> you think about that, for I don't know about you, but that stood out to me. That it's not just the sweet, oh, I forgive them, kumbaya, that the world talks about, right? It truly is a mindset that says, I love people. And I got to tell you something, you know, loving people is not easy, <laughs> I mean, you've been married for more than a couple of months, right? Actually, y- y'all may have trouble, but my wife's perfect. I, she's absolutely perfect. She's easy to love. Uh, but, but, you know, but, but now think about it for a minute. How many of you realize that people are flawed, right? <laughs> Can I get an amen to that? If you're not saying, maybe you don't want to say it because you're thinking about the person sitting next to you. Think about yourself. People are flawed. Can I get an Amen. We're all flawed, and it's hard to love people sometimes. Why? Because they can be hurtful. People can betray you and your trust and your confidence. People, because they're human beings, can insensitively but unknowingly disregard your needs and hurt you, right? Right? Because if you're in relationships, you know, you're in relationships, and relationships, each person in the relationship has needs, Right? And sometimes what can happen is we, we sort of villainize people as human beings because they're not meeting our needs when they might not even be aware they're doing it. It's just unknowingly the fact that they're a human being and imperfect and flawed and they can't love like God loves, right? That's why it's so important to not put 100% of your trust and love and your need for love in a person. You need to put that in God. That's why when we're saying he's more than enough, he's more than enough, right? Can you just be content with him? Because when you can be content with him loving you, then it makes it a lot easier to love others. Why? Because the obstacles where they fall short in loving you aren't an issue. Why? Because God's already filled that hole in you, right? And so loving people can be hard, and it can cause our souls to draw back. And as I was thinking about this week, you know, I think about, you know, my journey as a pastor. I've been very open about that. You know, as a pastor, you know, we're called to love people like everybody else. And there are times where people leave or times where people misunderstand you or times where people judge you. And, and, and it's easy, for, it could be easy for a leader as a pastor to draw back and say, oh, you know, and I can tell you, I've been guilty of that over the 20 years I've been uh, as a pastor. I've hit at times, sometimes for a couple years, <laughs> where I just showed up and did my thing and then went home. Why? Because, because human beings, right? But how many of you realize 
whether it's a pastor or whether you're an individual, whether you're in a relationship, what Jesus said was the defining quality of you as one of my disciples would be that even though people are flawed, you'll look at them and say, man, I love people. That's strong, and that's hard to swallow sometimes, but that's what we've been called to, and so we've been digging into that. See, God's love is not a feeling, and so what that tells me is this, God's love is more than a feeling. You know, Boston had a song, if you're from the 70s, more than a feeling. How many remember that song, right? Because I'm living on something. (laughs) You know that song, don't you, D.C.? Boston, you know it? Yeah. So anyway, but, but God's love is not a feeling. See, that's, that's, the, that's the issue. See, uh, worldly love is based on a feeling that is motivated by the, the input that it's getting. But God's love is not a feeling. Rather, it's a conscious, willful choice to act out the character and the nature of God. It is a decision to say, I am going to love when I don't feel like loving because God has placed this supernatural love down on the inside of me. And so, you know, uh, it's not what we say from the platform this morning that's going to cause people to say that you're a a follower of Jesus. It's what you take uh, from what we say and go put it into action as it pertains to this love. And so we're making this God kind of love our top priority, this unnatural love that says even though people are flawed, even though I may get kicked in the teeth sometime, I'm not going to draw back. I'm going to love like Jesus loved. That's powerful. We could go home and close the service with just that. But what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim and your great quest. So the Lord has laid it upon my heart that this is going to be our great quest as a church. Our great quest is not going to be a building. Our great quest is not going to be some grand vision, although all those things may support it, but our great quest is going to be a people that love people, a people that express the love of God. And so, and so we've been digging into what does that mean, right? Because if it's not natural, it's not something that just naturally happens. As a believer, you know, I'm going to go off text here. As a believer, the love of God, if you've accepted Jesus, then the love of God is in your heart whether you feel love towards anyone or not. The reality is, is if you're going to be a believer that people recognize that's a follower of Jesus, you have to resurrect and bring to life that love that's been seated down on the inside of you. And sometimes that requires a choice, but I will tell you this, it's not always a hard choice because if you'll give place to it, it'll build momentum like a snowball rolling down a hill to the point that it becomes a, a, a monumentous force in your life. And so we've been digging in to understand what love is. The first thing we said love was is this. This is the kind of love we're talking about. It's a love that puts others first. It prefers others. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Preferring means that you pick them over you, right? That's so contrary to the world. In our workplaces, you know, how many of you realize when Jesus preached this, he preached this to working people. He wasn't talking about just doing this, right? In our midst, although that's that's important, (laughs) what, what we do in our workplace should be an outflow of what we receive in our churches, right? 
But in our workplace, how uncommon would it be for you to be the guy that's pushing the other guy for the promotion instead of yourself? Ooh. But that's the kind of love God called us to. That takes faith. Why does it take faith? It takes faith to believe that if I'll do what God says, he'll take care of me so I can relinquish me trying to get mine. See, love prefers others. We've also learned that love won't intentionally hurt another person. Romans 13.10 says, love never does anything that is harmful to a neighbor in the God's Word translation. (laughs) That means that love takes the time to evaluate the decision I'm about to make to ask the question, not how is this going to help me, Not how is this going to impact me, but how is this going to impact the people around me? And if this is going to hurt those around me, then according to the scripture, I can't make that choice. See, that requires faith. (laughs) Because instantly flesh and natural self rises up and says, well, if I do that, what about me? You know what God's response is? I got you. Look at your neighbor. He says, he's got me. We've also learned that love seeks to cover the shortcomings of others to help them get restored. Romans, Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9 says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. So what that says is, is love, the kind of love God has, is not in the business of trying to expose people for their wrongs. You know, and you, know, you think about exposed people, you think about that on a national scale and the news and stuff, but what that really means is, is in your life, when you see imperfections in others, you're not the one that's quick to call it out. Did you see what she did? Love says, I, you know what, I'm going to find something different. So, you know, the next thing we learned was that love builds others up. The Bible tells us in... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 8 and verse 1, it says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So instead of being the one that points out the imperfections of others, I'm going to be the one that actually says, you know, let's not talk about that because they're really good at this, right? It looks to build people up instead of tear them down. And so love seeks to care for others in such a way that it creates an atmosphere for them where they they feel like, well, this person's got my best interest at heart and I can trust them. And you know what? When they can trust you, very possibly it presents an opportunity for you to be the one that leads them into a real relationship with God. And that's the goal, right? For God so loved the world. God loves people. So the goal of all of this is not to make us better pristine Christians so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, look how loving we are. But so that we can truly have a nature in us that when we're living our lives, we're not consumed with self, but we're looking around those that surround us and asking questions of how can I be a blessing to these people that God loves and I love. Amen? Amen. So today, we want to take a look at you know, uh, some, some real application of how we can apply this to our lives. John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, one of the most significant ways that we can show the love of Christ is by laying down our life. That's a pretty strong term, though, laying down your life for another. When we think about laying down our life, we think about, you know, military service people who have given their life, their actual, you know, breath of life for others. And that certainly can be an act of love. 
But what does it really mean for us as believers in the day-to-day, you know, because a lot of people ask the question, well, I don't know if I can go to Africa, because I just don't know, well, could you just love somebody next to you? Right? What does it really mean to our day-to-day life to lay down our life for someone else? It says, you know, he says, as I have loved you, he said, love like I have loved you. And then he says, greater love. So what is that? How did he love us? Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 says this. Your attitude should not be the kind that was shown us by, your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Jesus Christ, who though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and became like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as actually to die a criminal's Death. I want you to notice at the start of verse 7, three words, but laid aside. See, what it means to lay down your life for another person is that it means that you're willing to lay aside your stuff when they need help or when they need your attention or when they need something. Laying aside, Jesus made the choice in heaven. When the cry came out from heaven, mankind needs a Savior. Man, in all his splendor, in all his glory, he stepped forward and said, I will be the one to lay down my life. Aren't you grateful that he did that this morning? Woo, that's enough we're shouting about. He laid down his life for us. He made a willful choice to lay aside who he was. He was God. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to. He could have whitewashed the whole earth, said, let's be done with it, and let's just start again, right? But he loved us enough to say, I'm going to lay aside my glory, my power, my might, my dominion, and I'm going to become a man, and I'm going to submit myself to the, the, the human flesh of a man, and I'm going to force myself to walk out for 33 years a perfect, sinless life, even though I'm going to be tempted like they were tempted, Even though I'm purely holy, I'm going to experience things that I would never even fathom in my mind that they have to experience. Right? It says he was tempted in all points like us. He laid aside his life. So when we say love lays down its life, we mean that love is willing to put our lives on hold so another's can be better. That requires sacrifice most of the time. It required sacrifice from Jesus. What is sacrifice? You know, it, it, how, many, how many of you realize a sacrifice isn't a sacrifice unless you have to sacrifice to give it? Right? Right? I mean, if it's easy to give it, it ain't a sacrifice. You just give it. You know, it's not a big deal. Real sacrifice is painful sometimes. It costs you sometimes. And that's what the, that's, think about it for a minute. <laughs> That's the life Jesus has called us to. Now, people would say, well, man, I don't want that kind of life. I don't want to live in pain and constantly giving up. If you you do it the right way with the right motive, he will take care of you. Can't say it in any higher pitched tone than that. He will take care of you. (laughs) Putting our agenda on hold for the sake of someone else and helping someone else is the love that God has called us to. 
We see this in the story of the Good Samaritan. We've read through this throughout this series, but I want to read it again from that light. It says in verse 30 of Luke chapter 10, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Religious guy, didn't have time, no love of God. And likewise, a Levite, when he went was the place, came and looked in, on him and passed by on the side. Learned, biblical guy, but couldn't have the time to help somebody else. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment, because Jesus used the term Samaritan for a very real reason. In the terms of the people that he was talking to, Samaritans were seen as ugly, worthless, sinful, dirty people. And Jesus was about to show, he was showing them something, that there's something more important than you being perfect. Why? Because Jesus paid for you to be perfect. You ain't got to worry about that piece of it. His blood washed your sins away. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Notice the Samaritan interrupted his plans to help the person in need. He laid aside his agenda. This kind of love is especially important if we're going to function as we need to function as a group of believers as a church. We'll get to individually in a minute. But as a church, it's important that we be people that are willing to lay aside our agenda at times to meet the needs of the overall uh, congregation and to prepare our hearts and, and our church so that we're prepared to receive those that actually need to know that God loves them. See, we've been called to create an atmosphere where we love God and we love people. Well, if we're going to have that kind of mindset and we want to rah, rah, that sounds great. That makes me feel good to say that's the kind of church I go to. Then we got to be people that actually do it. Amen. we got to be people that show up with smiling faces and are willing to be parking lot attendants. Thank God for our parking lot attendants. Aren't you grateful for them? I watched him old. I watched one of them just, just ribbon buzz when he showed up. But i got to tell you something. Standing in front of the car, shaking his butt at him, not letting him by. But Buzz, did that make you feel loved? You probably deserved it. You probably deserved it, but did it make you feel loved? You, he paid attention to you, right? We need to have loving people willing to show that. We need to have people like Joe and more of them that, that are in the back right now acting like a goofy, crazy kid to teach those kids how much God loves them. Amen. We need to have people that are willing to show up during the week to clean. I, I'm so thankful for Kyle. Man, Kyle Villarreal in the back, I mean, he shows up every Sunday. He's, he came to me. We used to have to pay somebody to clean our church. Kyle came to me and said, I'm going to start doing it. I mean, you know, it would be really great if Kyle had a team of people helping him so he didn't have to do it every week. Can I get an amen, Kyle? <laughs> you say, well, how do I get involved? Kyle, wave your hand, Kyle. Wave your hand. Don't be afraid. Just go see him. Say, I'll take, I'll take one Saturday a month or one Saturday every couple months. He'll show you how to do it. He'll get you in here. And we'll keep, and how many, so why is that important? Because when people show up, we need to look like we care about them enough, right? Amen. How many realize we need to have people that are prepared and have been trained, and we do, that can stand up front and pray for people when they have needs in their life or can disciple them and lead them down a discipleship path that they need to grow in their relationship with the Lord? 
For us to be a church that grows in the love of God, it requires each of us putting aside our agenda. Everybody say, our agenda. Man, I got to tell you, our agenda is probably one of the biggest obstacles in allowing God to work through us individually, collectively, as a service, whatever, right? We, we show up every Sunday. We got an agenda. We're going to worship. We're going to do the offering. We're going to... And how many realize organizations, the Bible says God doesn't do... He does everything decently and in order. But man, I got to tell you, if you're always so worried about your agenda that you can't consider someone else's, we need to grow in the love of God. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16 says this for a church. It says, for, for him, for, from him, from Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This was written to the church at Ephesus, and what he was saying was, is everybody takes a part. Everybody doesn't just come in and receive and suck the life out of the church and then walk home and do their own, to, to chase their own agenda, but they actually look and say, where can I serve? Where can I help? Where can I be a part? And that doesn't mean, you know, working your fingers to the bone, but what it does mean is finding your place. You say, well, I don't know where my place would be. Well, I can tell you this at Grace. We are not interested in putting round, I say this all the time. I say it in my, uh, all my new members. We're not interested in putting round pegs in square holes. If you don't like working with kids, we're not going to put you with the kids, right? But I will tell you this. If that's not your forte, but you could do it, maybe it's something you should pray about that God may want you to do, right? Because I can tell you right now, we have big needs. In the nursery, we have big needs. It's been six weeks before my wife is set in a service since she sat in the service. Six weeks, because she does the nursery every week. You know why? Because she loves those kids, and she loves you all, and she won't ask you. But I'm just telling you, and I'm not saying that right about me. I, that's not me twisting an arm to get you. I'm just saying we as individuals need to be conscious in our lives. And this isn't just in church. This is personally. When you walk around your life, are we so consumed with ourselves that we don't stop and say, what? Maybe, maybe that person could use some help, Right? And I've got to tell you, you say, well, I, I want to serve, I want to help, easy. Go see Buzz, right? We got a little discipleship pack, and there's one single card, and sitting with one, you, you go home and look at it, fill it out, come back and meet with him for 15 minutes. We'll find a place where you'd be happy to serve. It'd be something you'd like doing, right? It may require you to lay aside your agenda, but we all are called to serve. You know, unfortunately, most churches in America, everybody says he's not talking about grace. So can we talk about everybody else this morning? We're not calling anybody specifically out, right? Most churches in America, and you'll know this, operate by the 80-20 rule. 80% of the work and 80% of the financial load is carried by 20% of the people, right? Now, I will tell you, that is not the case at Grace. I, I, I've looked at it. We have a good group of people that like to serve, that like to give, that like to support the church. That's why I, I just, you know, and I, and I refuse to twist people's arm to do anything, but... As we look at Scripture, we can see that the Scripture tells us not to, to mimic that mold. Why? Because it is, it, it, is, it, is, it is the framework for what I believe the church in America has become. We have figured out as, 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 as Christian leaders how to properly market our churches. We've embraced marketing concepts that were meant for the business world and applied them to the church world. And we've said, oh, okay, that's okay. Let's go ahead and do that. And what it's created is a church full of consumers instead of a church full of givers. 
people that come to church to see what they can get from it instead of what they can give to it. Showing up every Sunday and never lifting a hand and looking for, and you know what, it's okay if that's where you're at. God loves you and we want to bless people like that. We want to be help people, right? But I got to tell you, Paul, Paul to the church of Philippians, he said that's not the way it should be. Chapter 19 says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Now, Paul said, I'm going to send Timothy to you soon. Now, let me tell you why he sent Timothy to you. He's going to see, you're going to see in verse 20. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. Now, once again, I'm not preaching to you guys this morning. We're preaching to everybody outside the church, right? If this one hurts when I say it, just smile and nobody will know it's touching you, right? Just say amen, brother. But what he's saying here is this. He said, I had to send Timothy to do some stuff for you because nobody else was willing to do it, basically. And so what he was saying here is that's not the way it should be. Once again, I'm glad that that is not the place here at Grace, but I will tell you this. One of the things you'll find out about me is if you spend much time with me is I am meticulous and I do not like to settle for less than 100%. I would rather get half of 100% than all or nothing. And my mindset is I will never be satisfied and I, don't believe, I believe it's the Holy Spirit in me. I'll never be satisfied until every single member of our church is lifting a hand to serve in some capacity in some way in this church and outside of this church because that's what we've been called to as a group of believers. So if you want to be a spiritual couch potato and sit down and show up and, and leave, this may not be the place for you because I'll make you uncomfortable. Maybe making you uncomfortable right now. Right? Now, I'll tell you this, I never pick up the phone typically. Well, a few people I might because I know they're Timothys and I can do it. But I'll never pick up the phone and call you and ask you to do something if I don't believe you have a Timothy's heart because I don't believe we should serve out of a heart that's not willing to serve, right? That does us no good. But the reality is, is we've been called as a church, a group of believers and a church to collectively love others and serve and find places to serve. So if you're here this morning, you're not serving, no condemnation, but go see Buzz. Figure out how you can put your gifts and talents to work for the kingdom of God and not just serving your own agenda and doing your own thing in life. Why? Because that's what Christ has called us to. Not just in the church, but also individually. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. I'll move on from grace. Amen? Because this ain't about a church. It's not about Christians, sir. It's not about building a great organization. This is about us being disciples of Christ. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no mur murderers hath eternal life living in him. So what he says here, he says he, notice again verse 14, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren, right? Doesn't say because we love, it says because we love the brethren. Because we love the people sitting around us. We know we pass from death to life. You say, well, I don't love the people sitting around me. I would tell you this. Some people say, well, I, I'm a Christian. I've accepted Jesus, but I don't love people. Well, according to that scripture, then you ain't a Christian. Right? I remember Brother Hagin telling a story. Brother Hagin, he was the founder of my Bible school. I remember him telling a story one time. And this lady came forward in the prayer line to pray for it. And he wanted her to pray for it. And he said, I need you to pray for me because I hate my mother-in-law. <laughs> 
Everybody sit real still if your mother-in-law's in here, right? I hate my mother-in-law. And I know I shouldn't hate them because the Bible says if I hate them that I'm not a Christian. But I know I've accepted Jesus. Brother Hagin, just to get her a little bit, looked at her and said, well, if you hate your mother-in-law, you're going to hell. And she said, well, but, but Brother Hagin, I know I've accepted Jesus. I know I believe in Jesus. He said, well, then if you said you hate your mother-in-law, then you didn't really believe it and you're, you're not a Christian. Well, that worked her over a little bit. Then finally he looked at her and said, but let me ask you just to do this. If you're truly a believer, just, just get yourself real quiet for a minute. Get yourself before God and just say, in the presence of God, I hate my mother-in-law. So we're in the presence of God right now, so go ahead and do it. She did it. And he said, what do, you, what, do you, what do you feel on the inside of you when you say this? She said, well, I just feel this sort of scratching on the inside of me. See, the love of God, no matter how much somebody has hurt you, is shed abroad in your heart if you're a believer. Sometimes it may be buried by hurt. Sometimes it may be buried by betrayal, all of those things. But that love, if you've accepted Christ, does live on the inside of you. And that's what this verse is saying. It says love should be shed abroad in our heart. And because of this, it should cause us to express love for the brothers. And that's important even in our own personal relationships. How many of you realize in your personal relationships and your marriages, there are times where you're not getting what you need potentially from your spouse? Nobody shake your head. Everybody sit real still, all right, because we don't want to start any fights. But in marriages or whether it's your friendships, there are going to be times where you're not going to get what you need from that individual. Once again, that's why that person shouldn't be the ultimate source of your joy. Jesus should be. You know, we sing that song, more than enough, more than enough, you're more than enough, right? He should be the abiding joy on the inside of us. But there are going to be times where you're not getting what you need from that individual. But in those moments where you're not getting what you need, that's where real sacrificial love comes in. That's where the love of God comes in. It steps in and says, I'm going to love you and show you love anyway, Right? You may not even understand why that person isn't giving you supposedly the love you need, right? But if you take the time to continue to love, and if two people will do that consistently in their relationship, what I've seen is is dead relationships come back to life. When both individuals will say, I'm not going to let natural love dominate our relationship, I'm going to let the love of God dominate my relationship, so I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to sacrifice for you even when I don't want to. And when I don't want to, I'm going to do it twice as much. Everybody say two times as much. You know why Jesus said if somebody asks for your cloak, to get, you know, or asks you to carry something for them one mile, do it two? Because it would probably take the first mile for you to get over yourself. Really. You might need to take that extra mile, do something extra nice. Not so you can really dig it in and let them know how much they're not doing what they should be doing, right? But so you can get your heart right and love them and truly say, if, I, if the love of God dwells in me, then my, my, that love will cause me to stack, sacrifice. And how many of you realize that takes real strength? See, this kind of love we're talking about, you know, a lot of people say the Christian life is for, you know, matter of fact, I remember, uh, what was his name? Um, the Minnesota governor, uh, Remember who that old Minnesota governor used to be? What? Yeah, Jesse Ventura. He said, you know, Christianity was for weak people. He said it was for weak people because they couldn't, you know, they couldn't deal with their own problems, so they needed God to deal with theirs. But I'm going to tell you something. It takes real love to look at Jesse and say, I still love you. That takes real strength. 
right? See, walking the Christian life and living the Christian life, anyone can be bitter and mean, but it takes a strong person to swallow hard and continue to sacrifice when you don't want to. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But who, hey, It's amazing to me how many times, lay down our lives for the brethren, lay down our lives for the brethren. It ain't about laying down your life for God. You know, any of us would say, I'll go to the ends of the earth for you, Jesus, but would you go to the ends of the earth for the person sitting next to you or the person sitting on the back row that you don't know? That's real love. But whoso hath the world's goods and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him and dwelleth, but how dwelleth the love of God in him? What is he saying there? He's saying real love will cost you something. Whether it's your time, your talent, your resource, your attention, your agenda, it's going to cost you something. It costs the Samaritan something. Luke chapter 10 says, And on the morrow when he, he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? It was the good Samaritan. He took of his time, his talent, his resources, whatever was necessary. He laid aside his agenda for the agenda of the, the other. And he did it gladly. Everybody say gladly. You know, the scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. And that don't just mean we're a church when we take up the offering, everybody claps their hands. You know, I've seen churches, spirit-filled church. Hey, we're giving up an offering. Most of the people are shouting because they think they're going to get something from it. I got a seed I'm sowing and something's coming back. No, real love is glad to give because it looks at the person that's receiving and says, I love them and I want to make their life better. I want to make their life easier, even if they're not giving back to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15 it says, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I got to tell you, I am thrilled to pastor this church. I am thrilled to, get, to, 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 get, to, to stay up late at night, get up early in the morning, and, and, and prepare messages even though I'm working a secular job. I'm thrilled to pastor this church. Why? Because God loves you and I love you. And I'm thrilled to pastor this church because I feel the same way from you guys. I know you guys love me. I do. And so, uh, you know, this message has been a little bit of a toe stepper this morning. I don't want anybody to think that, man, we have a great church. But for us to grow in the love of God, we have to be glad and willing and exuberant and excited about sacrificing for others. Right? We have to be excited about the fact that, hey, there's six more volunteers needed to let some kids know that we love him. I'm going to run to that. Right? I'm excited to help in a nursery so a parent can sit in here and not be disturbed by their child for maybe an hour a week that they don't normally get, right? I'm excited to welcome people in the parking lot. I'm excited to be a person that's on the security team here so that if somebody walked in here with a gun to try to do something, I get to take them down. I'm excited. How many would be excited about that one? I know a lot of testosterone-filled guys would be like, hey, bring them. Somebody just walk in here. I can't wait. Right? Love is excited about showing its love to others. That's, what, that's the real love Jesus walked in. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Musicians, go ahead and come. I don't even think I'm halfway through my message, but I, I, I think I'm near the end. Ha halfway through my notes. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Man, thank God we have a great example in Jesus. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you don't have to look unto me? <laughs> 
I'm glad I get to look to Jesus. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. Jesus had joy about sacrifice. Jesus, I'll say it again, Jesus had joy in the sacrifice. He didn't enjoy, that doesn't mean, oh man, I, he wasn't masochistic, right? I mean, like, I, I'm looking forward to the cross. How many of you realize he sweat with great drops of blood? He wasn't looking forward to that. But it says for the joy, there was joy in doing it because he saw me and you. I got to tell you something, in your life, there are people that you don't even see right now. If you think about your life as a pond or a pool that you're standing in and you're standing perfectly still, as you stand still, that water is calm, but as you begin to move, ripples begin to take place all around you. My question is, who is in the pool you're standing in that your ripple should touch? You may not see who it is right now, but that sacrificial attitude that says, I want to give of myself because I love people like God loves people, and my service, no matter how little it may be and unimpactful it may seem, has ripple effects upon the people that my life touches. Husbands, lay down your life and serve your wife, even if you're not getting what you think you need from her. Wives, put aside your personal agenda and serve your husband and give him what he needs, even if you don't think what you're getting from him. Church members, lay down your life and personal agenda at times to serve in the local church and find places to do things. For it's not until we do this that we truly find the real satisfaction that comes and that God created us to have. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Your attitude should be the kind that was shown to us by Jesus Christ. This is in the Today's Living Bible who though he was God, did not demand and cling to his, own, to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as to, act to, as to actually die a criminal's death. Yet, notice this, it was because of this that God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name which was above every name. See, Jesus was able to walk into the ultimate place that, of, his, of his purpose because he first chose to sacrifice of himself and not worry about his purpose. Proverbs 10 and verse 22 says this, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow to it. Real beauty in life, real satisfaction in life comes from this kind of sacrifice. When you do it the Lord's way, it brings you the kind of life where there isn't a bitter pill to it. That word says it maketh rich. That word rich, actually, if you look it up, and we're not doing a prosperity message, but that word actual rich is an actual literal word that applies to finances. <laughs> he says if you'll put others first, you'll get ahead. It'll make you rich, but it'll do it in a way that the Lord brings it to you and you don't have to get it yourself and that, therefore you don't have to sustain it yourself and it adds no sorrow to it. Amen. That word rich also does mean though enrich. It's used a few times in scripture as enrich. That means a full life. If you want to have a full life, I can tell you this, and I've, I've had the opportunity to pray with people as they breathe their last breath. Not one of them talked about what they had accomplished in life. Every one of them were concerned about the people that their lives had touched. 
if you want a full life, has nothing to do with your agenda and what you can achieve. It has to do with pouring out your life like Jesus did and loving others. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice. Let's be people that embrace the quality of love, that understands that love requires a sacrifice sometimes, and I am happy to give it. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, I've done my best to share what I believe you laid on my heart this week. You love everyone here so much. You love everyone so much. Just turn your heart toward him right now and open your heart to his love. You love us so much. Yet so many times in our life, we're fighting, we're scraping, we're, we're working hard to try to achieve our agendas. When the life you've called us to do to is the very life we sing about at the beginning of this service, you've called us to a life that says, you're more than enough, so I can give. I can, I, don't have, I can give up the rat race. I can give up the striving, and I can just serve. I can just love others. I can go to my work and my purpose for being there is to make others better and to help others, not to get mine. I can live in my, my family and in my marriage and my relationships for, because my purpose in being there is to bless and help them, not to get mine. I can truly say you're more than enough. And you'll say back to us, I am more than enough. And I'll bless you where you lay down your ability to bless yourself. Help us, Lord, be people of sacrifice. Help us, Father, be a people of sacrifice, a church of sacrifice. Help us embrace that you're more than enough. The faith that says you meet our needs so we can just give and bless others. Stand to your feet with me. Father, right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed as the congregation rises to their feet, there be anyone here that has not accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that you have dealt with their heart. And I ask, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you want to make him the Lord of your life, you want to accept him, you want to know this is the moment that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You don't have that moment that you can point to. You want to make this your moment. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now and say, yeah, Pastor Tommy, I want to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, anyone at all. I want to know that if I walked out this door and my life was to stop on this planet, heaven would be my home. Anyone at all. I'm just going to wait a moment. Then I'm just going to believe everybody here is a believer. So Shannon, I just want to sing that song, More Than Enough. And I want you just to take an opportunity to lay aside your agenda and say, Lord, you're more than enough. I give that all to you. And I'm going to live a life of sacrifice for others. Shannon, just lead us for a moment in worship before we close. You are enough. In every circumstance, you are You are enough. Come on, let's worship him. You are enough.
enough Forever enough You're always enough You're more than enough One more Forever enough You're always enough You're more than enough Forever enough You're always enough You're more than enough For you all Jaira You are enough Jehovah Jaira Father, we thank you that you are more than enough. Because we put our trust in you, we can truly live lives of sacrifice to the world around us. I thank you for it, Father. Thank you for helping us be people of sacrifice, people of love, that love others in such a way that it's visible. Not so we can be seen of men, but so that men can see Christ in us. I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you had a need that didn't get prayed for, you want someone to pray for you, our prayer partners will be right up here at the front. Just come forward and see them. They'll join hands with you, agree with you. We see answers to prayer weekly from the prayers they're praying. Amen? Amen. We're thankful for them and everybody that has trained themselves to be prayed like that. Pray, pray for people like that. Amen. Don't forget Wednesday night services. Uh, all the good things going on at Grace, you can see it on the calendar. Uh, you can find an usher, they'll let you know. But let me pray a prayer of blessing over you and dismiss you this morning. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you that you love them, that you care about them. Thank you that you're looking out for them. Thank you that your angels are encamped about them, keeping them safe and protected. That they dwell in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty. And whatever they're putting their hand to prospers. You're giving your angels charge over them to look out for them and keep them safe and protected and to bring them back to worship with us again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday and we will see you hopefully Wednesday night. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.